It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to Wednesday hump day. Hump day! Welcome in Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio, Wednesday, July 12th. M&M Carnage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation, 384-1450. Or you can hit me up on the Thornton's text line at 414-1450. Don't forget, it's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's going on all summer long each week. One lucky refreshing rewards member will win $10,000, grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Easy steps, open your refreshing rewards app, click on the Summer Cash Bash icon, that's it, you're entered. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, many, many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. It's Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, what's stopping you from being? All you got to do is text REWARDS to 803-13. And hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. It is literally that simple. Rick Bosich, WDRB.com, Fox 41, will join me in about 15 minutes. Got a lot to go over with Rick. It's a smorgasbord, a potpourri of uh, different things. We'll talk more about conference expansion. When does he think it'll happen? How soon will all of this get done? What's Notre Dame going to do? What are Louisville's options when this all falls together or falls apart, whichever way you want to look at it? Bats lost to uh, Scranton-Wilkes-Barre 11-2 last night. Yikes. Ouch. That's a beatdown. They'll be back at it tonight on the road in Scranton. 6.35 first pitch, 6.05 pregame. Reds beat the Yankees last night in New York. They trailed 3-0 going to the ninth. But somehow the Reds got to closer Clay Holmes for four runs in the top of the ninth and held off the Yankees 4-3. They got a two-out two-run RBI single from Jonathan India to win it. So congratulations to the Reds. And if you had the Dodgers, if you had the Yankees, sorry, that's what happens. We begin today, by the way, Donovan Mitchell probably going to be traded by the Jazz. KD and Kyrie, will they play together? Baker Mayfield had a press conference in Charlotte yesterday. Talk about all of that. We begin with the Open Championship from Royal St. Andrews. 150th edition of the British Open. I'm going to call it the British Open. You can call it whatever you want. I'm going to call it Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. You can call it whatever you want. Rory McIlroy is the favorite at 9-1. to I went over to my favorite stop and bet on Rory today. I think 9-1 to is a nice number. That's the beauty of betting golf. No matter who you bet, you're getting good odds. Now, the odds of your guy winning are really not that great, but... The favorite is 9-1. to one. Go find a horse race where the favorite is 9-1. to one. That's hard to do. $10 bet, 100 bucks comes back to you if Rory McIlroy wins. He's 9-1. to one. John Rahm, second choice, 11-1. to one. Scotty Shuffler, 12-1. to one. Justin Thomas, well, he's 14-1 to one on the list I have here, but I got him just uh, about 20 minutes ago at 18-1. to one. So I'm pretty happy with that. I bet JT, like I do in every major, Threw Rory in there most of the time. And then I go for a couple long shots. My long shots this week are going to be Louis Oosthuizen at 40 to 1, who 
uh, has uh, won this event at this venue in 2010 and came in second at this venue in 2015. He likes the course. He's impressive. If this was a horse race, you'd say he loves the track. He is impressive at this track. And I went with Dustin Johnson, a member of the Live Tour, because how weird is it going to be? How awkward is it going to be on Sunday if a Live Tour golf member wins the Open Championship? DJ, by the way, is 30 to 1. So throw five bucks on him, try to win 150. You got DJ, you got Phil, you got Brooks Kepka, you got Bryson DeChambeau, you've got Sergio Garcia, you've got Louis Oosthuizen, you've got Charles Schwartzel, you've got a bunch of guys that have good records in majors over the years that have a shot here. It's going to be windy. It's a course that if it's not windy, there will be very, very low scores. But if it is windy, the course can win over the players. It is. We are expecting clear weather and winds until Saturday, and then maybe some, some weather comes in with those winds. And here's another question. I thought about this yesterday. This is the final major of the season, right? This is it. We've already had the PGA, the Masters, the U.S. Open. The FedEx Cup is getting ready to, to uh, gear up. You'll have the FedEx playoffs uh, starting up in about a month and a half. What happens after this major? How many more guys who are sitting at home and not putting their names out there, not getting um, crushed by media members, when this is over on Monday or Tuesday, will we find out, yes, they are also going to join the live tour. We know the guys that aren't going to join because they've been public about it. Billy Horschel, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, who was probably offered half a billion dollars to join. I mean, let's just be honest about this. If Phil Mickelson was, if, if Phil got $200 million, Tiger's going to get $500 million, right? Phil's five, six years older than Tiger. So they had to offer Tiger at least half a billion dollars. But he said no. Rory said no. JT not going to go. Horschel, Shawfley has spoken out. How about the guys that haven't said anything? Right? Are they just sitting on this waiting? They've got the offer. Uh, they didn't want to rock the boat during the, uh, during the uh, major championship season. You got that four-month period with the Masters, the PGA, the U.S. Open, and the, and the British Open. And you don't want to rock the boat. If you don't want to be in the spotlight, then you don't say anything. You get the offer. You tell them, well, I'll think about it, and I'll let you know. I'll let you know on Monday, July 18th. That's when I'm going to let you know. Is that right? July 18th. Carry the four. Yeah, that's right. That's when I'm going to let you know. I don't have to let you know before then. Because there's not another event at this point. You got six left. Who else is going to go? John Rahm has said he's not going to go. Um, Colin Morikawa was rumored to be one of the guys going, if you remember, and had to come out with, on Twitter and say, nope, I'm not going anywhere. Is that true? Do we know that to be factual? He's won a couple of majors. These guys don't, these young guys, especially, they don't care about legacy. 
They don't care. They don't understand about legacy. And Tiger Woods in his press conference yesterday tried to impress upon these younger guys, hey, legacy is important here. When this thing doesn't work out, when nobody cares about the live tour, and look, the live tour is not going away. There's too much money. Saudi money is money that we don't understand. Oil money is money that you and I, Jim, we don't understand this, right? I go buy a cheeseburger. They go buy a gold-plated cheeseburger. That's just the way it is. They go buy, they go buy a jet. I go buy a cheeseburger. We don't understand this kind of money. I don't even know if I want to understand this kind of money. So it's not going away as long as they want to keep investing in it. You don't give $200 million to a golfer if you don't have money laying on top of money underneath other money. And Colin Morikawa, great young player, was rumored to be one of the next guys going. Patrick Reed, rumored to be one of the next guys going. We haven't heard a peep out of Patrick Reed. Haven't heard a peep. Who's going to go? Zalatoris? I doubt it. He really wants to win a major. And keep this in mind as well. When this Live Tour started up, when this whole thing sort of began with the defection of Phil Mickelson, basically, when it first began, we were really close to these majors happening. We were really close to the April PGA, to the May or to the April Masters, to the May PGA, to the June U.S. Open, to the July British Open, and these governing bodies of all of these majors had to make a quick decision because they'd already invited who they had already invited to come play in the major championship, and they decided, look, we're not going to be the guys that say, "Oh, nope, we invited you, but now because you're doing that, we're not going to invite you anymore." Now they're going to have eight months to decide, seven months to decide. The Masters will be the first one that decides, are we going to continue to allow live tour golf members to play in our, in our championship, in our tournament? It's a tough question. Do you want the defending champions, former champions there if you're the Masters? Do you want Phil Mickelson there? Some ways you do, but some ways you don't. Do you want DJ there? He's won a green jacket. You want Oosthuizen? Charles Schwartzel? I don't think Schwartzel ever won one. He was, he was, or maybe he did. Do you want these? Sergio? He won one after playing in them for 20 years. He finally won one. Do you want them in the tournament? And the PGA is going to say to these governing bodies, whether it's the Masters or the USGA with the U.S. Open or the Royal and Ancient Golf Club in, uh, uh, in, in England. They're going to say, yeah, we don't want these guys to play. They're not going to play in the PGA Championship. I can tell you that. PGA is going to say, no, thank you. And I have a feeling, based on what Tiger Woods said yesterday, that the other majors are going to fall in line. Now, the Masters is an anomaly. It does whatever it wants, whenever it wants, to whomever it wants. Remember when there was an uproar at the Masters? This was years ago, about diversity issues and the fact that there were no African Americans and sponsors are going to pull out. Oh, these sponsors are going to pull out. The, and the Masters said, okay, 
Pull out. We don't care. We'll have the tournament commercial free. We'll pay for it ourselves. They've got that kind of money. They didn't care. It'll be on TV. We'll find it somewhere to put it on TV. CBS wasn't going to let go of the Masters. They were they were in a corner, CBS, going, oh, man, we are not going to look good when we put this on with no commercials. We are not going to come across as uh, a very open network. Because the Masters doesn't care. Here we are. We're the Masters. We're a bunch of old white guys, and we can do whatever we want. And if Cadillac and um, AT&T want to pull out, that's fine. We don't care. We don't need your money. We don't need your money. What will the Masters do? What will the USGA do, the U.S. Open overseer? What will Royal and Ancient do? Royal and Ancient's already done a couple of things here. If you were paying any attention, you noticed that the Live Tour guys didn't have press conferences. There was no DJ. There was no Phil. There was no DeChambeau. Um, there was no Brooks Kepka. And these are entertaining guys that you normally would say, okay, this is uh, here's your schedule. Your press conference is at 1230. Yours is at 815 a.m. And none of these Live Tour guys had press conferences. Tiger had one. JT had one. Rory had one. Zalatoris had one. Morikawa had one. Scheffler had one. They brought a bunch of guys in. No live tour golfers. And the other thing we saw was, here's who you're playing with. You know who Phil Mickelson's playing with the first two days of the, of the Open Championship? Kit Kitayama and Lucas Herbert. That's his, those are his playing partners the first two days. Most of these live tour guys got early, early tea times tomorrow before you and I get out of bed in the morning. They got early, early tea times. And the groups they were put with are not going to be on television, not star-studded in any way, shape, or form. Brooks Kepka is playing at 8.03 a.m. That is 2.03 in the morning to me and you. He's playing with Seamus Power and Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith, top 15 in the world. Taylor Gooch, a member of the Live Tours, playing with Sean Norris and Wyndham Clark. Enjoy that. I love Phil. Ian Poulter is playing at at uh, 108 a.m. 108. Is that right? Let me do the math here. No, I'm sorry. 208 a.m. Yeah, I'll get up for that. He's playing with Jamie Donaldson and Guido Migliozzi. Maybe he's going to be whacked on the course. No offense to Guido Migliozzi. <laughs> Patrick Reed, rumored to be a future live tour member. 2.41 in the morning playing with Tom Hoagie and Yu Hyung Kim. Bryson DeChambeau. We're going to stick you with Cameron Tringali and John Daly. Have fun with that. He'll, oh, he'll have fun. He'll have some fun. And as I mentioned, Phil Mickelson. By, by the way, Colin Morikawa playing with Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley. Justin Thomas playing with Victor Hovland and Shane Lowry. Zalatoris playing with Hideki Matsuyama, Tony Finau. These are household names. 
household names. So the royal and ancient kind of said, you know what? We're not going to make you not play here, but we're not going to make it comfortable for you at all. I'd love to know what hotel they're put in. I'd love to know. It's the Roach Motel. They're in the Roach Motel just outside of the property. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. Rick Bozich will join me after the break. We'll talk about conference realignment. I know he loves baseball, so we'll talk about some baseball, including his beloved White Sox, who are not doing well. Listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back, Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. I got to get home as soon as the show's over and get my wife off the computer. It's Amazon Prime Days. Oh my God! I'm going to be do it. Don't do it. I'm going to be one of it. those guys uh, on the side of the road looking for a handout here soon because I think we're. I don't know if we're getting a TV. We're getting. A, she's getting a new laptop. I don't know what's going. on. Unbelievable. My, my wife keeps sending me stuff, and I was like, hey, <sighs> where? I'm not going to have enough room on it? my porch for all Where the boxes that show up in the next three or four days. <laughs> all right, let's go to the Eminem Cartage Hotline. Bring in Rick Bozich, WDRB.com, Fox 41. How are you today, Rick? You know, I'm logging off Amazon Prime right now. <laughs> I nailed a few things myself, man. Yeah, but you're just buying White Sox paraphernalia, right? Uh, not this season, man. It's an angry, uh, angry White Sox fandom right now. Does Tony La Russa make it through the season? Um, that's a great question. Um, and is it fair too? That's always fair. I mean, this is yeah. pro sports. Anybody's job should be in jeopardy. I'd say he will because I don't think Jer- Jerry Reinsdorf wants to embarrass him by firing him in the middle of the season. But, um, if you've watched any of the, uh, White Sox Twitter or post game shows with Ozzy Ian, I mean, Ozzy Ian was pretty brutal yesterday. So it's becoming more. Ozzie Guillen is giving a lot of people cover to, like, just go frontal at your uh, – Is Ozzie Guillen going to be back in the uh, dugout when this is all said and done? I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. He, I think he wants to, but I don't. I think they learned the last time. It was it was a pretty ugly uh, departure, yeah. so it's. I don't know what the answer is. Welcome to White Sox Talk. I didn't know we were going to start with that. <laughs> we started with Amazon Prime. And we did. Well, that's my wife's fault. Order a pair of sunglasses. How's that? I saw on the. Do you, do you guys? We're getting way off well, out of bounds. <laughs> there's, a, there's a New York Times website called Wire Cutter, and they list like uh, they try and separate what the top Amazon Prime deals are, and I, that was listed as one of them yesterday, and they were only thirteen dollars. So. I bought a pair of thirteen dollars sunglasses. I don't even. Okay. I don't even want to know what my wife spent. I don't even want to know. This is well, my. She's this working is my, ahead for Christmas. She's saving you. No, this is my favorite though, Rick. I got a deal. Those are my favorite words. You bought something we didn't need. In my opinion, you didn't get a deal. Yeah, I've had those conversations. I have those conversations with myself. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Uh, will you be paying attention to the Open Championship this week? Because this is a tough time of year, other than baseball, to find anything to watch, really, sports-wise. Right. Um, yeah, I will watch it. Um, just curious. You know, I guess Tiger's playing. He skipped to the U.S. Open to play it. It's yep. at St. Andrews, which is obviously, you know, one of the top three or four uh, courses in the world. And you want to see, you know, if some of the guys who've had success in this majors can keep it up. You want to see if 
Justin Thomas can get his major over there, and there's always the background noise of the LIV Tour guys versus the PGA Tour guys. If, so, yeah, the, if a Live Tour guy wins, and Dustin Johnson, I would guess, out of those guys has the best chance, if a Live Tour guy wins, what is the protocol and etiquette for handing him the trophy at the end of the day? Do they just give it to him uh, off air and say, uh, be on your way? I would hope not. I mean, <laughs> golf is supposed to be the gentleman's game. I would hate it. I don't think it would. I don't anticipate them doing that. It might be it would help drive more interest in golf the more this friction that exists yeah. out there. I, yeah. I think it helps golf. I know that a lot of golf um, people don't like it because they want people to, to take the high road, but they've created more conversation about golf this year because of it and got people um, – Choosing sides, good. He's a good guy. He's a bad guy. I like him. I understand him. So I, I think it's been good. It's been good for golf in terms of keeping it in the news. Would you respect a guy more if he just would come out and say, "I went for the money" instead of saying, "I'm trying to grow the game of golf" and other excuses? Yeah. Wouldn't you respect yeah. him more if they just said, "Look, you turned you turned down two hundred million dollars." I'm making more money with less pressure, and I don't have to work as hard. You would do the same thing, and and you know I would think most people would. So yeah, I, I would uh, respect that, but they can't. I don't know if they they can't or they won't do that. And um, what I don't like about it is you know it's it just so much stuff in the world is already so adversarial and hateful, and it just it drags that social media aspect into the game and there's so much shaming and uh you know finger pointing and it brings another element of politics into it that's like it's simplistic but a lot of people go to sports to get away from that stuff and then you go into it and you're you're right in the middle of it talking to rick bozich wdrb.com this is the adversarial show in fact i just renamed it that uh last week that's Uh, why he called me conference alignment conference realignment uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. Uh, the SEC says publicly, we're not going after Florida State, Clemson. We haven't had any discussions. But deep down, don't we know that there have to be discussions going on? Because based on wherever Notre Dame lands, that's when the next step has to be taken. And it seems like the ball would be in the SEC's court. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And they've already, I mean, we've watched it unfold over time where they went from 10 to the South Carolina Arkansas move, which broadened them on both sides, and then they, the next one was what Missouri and Texas A and M, yeah, and then the next one was Texas and Oklahoma. So they pretty much solidified their western flank, unless they want to go all the way out to the west coast, which I wouldn't think Oregon and Washington would be that appealing. But uh, it, it would make sense for them to really blanket and lock down the South and add a. Uh, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, and Clemson. I think that that would make sense to me. So yeah, I mean, it, I they might not be the the driving force behind doing it, but I have to believe those schools are definitely interested in talking to the SEC strictly because of same thing we talked about golf. The money is so much better. You can I don't I don't I don't even know the latest evaluation of what the ACC. Uh, annual payout is to schools, but I know the SEC money has to be two or three times as much. So you you you've got to believe that's happening. Did you? Was there any inkling that UCLA and USC were going to head for the Big Ten until boom? There's the announcement. Not that I heard. Um, yeah. Not that I heard at all. Um, 
it was mentioned uh, briefly, I think a year ago, when the SEC made its move, when people wrote things about how the Big Ten could counter, uh, and then it kind of went away, and I think people thought nothing was going on, but um, it makes sense um, from the standpoint of creating more uh, a bigger television market, and for some of the criticism you can, you know, label at the Big Ten. Um, you have to give Jim Delaney credit because he was the front row guy in terms of creating the Big Ten network and giving the Big Ten uh, schools uh, an advantage uh, in terms of creating more revenue for them before other leagues got on board. And that's the reason the Pac-12 really fell apart. The Pac-12 network was such a flop. Yeah. Uh, you know, never got on direct TV, I don't think, and didn't get on a bunch of cable car- carriers. I've never had it on any provider I've had. It's like you, you can't have that. I mean, you have to you have to uh, improve that. And the thing about the Big Ten too, I was reading something yesterday. My son shared with me is that the SEC obviously has had more success um, in football for sure, and even in basketball in terms of winning national championships in the Big Ten. But the reason the Big Ten is so valuable is that um, the schools are larger and they have larger alumni bases and they have fans all across the country, including in Los Angeles, and uh, they can draw the TV numbers that make uh, make that a good match for them to go into Los Angeles. So um, Big Ten TV revenue, SEC TV revenue, huge, and the ACC, as we know, uh, that's their number one drawback of that league is the ACC network was late to the party, and most of the analysis I've read about the, the contract has been critical of John Swafford and, and how much money he's getting back for the schools. Talking to Rick Bozich, WDRB.com. That's where you go to read all of his great uh, great stuff. Uh, Notre Dame, where do they end up? Is it a Big Ten thing? Or are they still the pompous Notre Dame fighting Irish who can do it on their own? I'm probably the last one to ask this because I've followed Notre Dame ever since I was a little kid. My uncle played football there. I used to go games there, to get, go games there as, as a child, and um, I really have a hard time seeing them giving up their independence. It's so much a part of who they are, and I know I think their TV deal with NBC has got this year and next year, and they're making like thirty-five million, and they're talking about. Big Ten schools getting a hundred million, so that's that's something that would be hard for them to turn down. But uh, remember, I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, there was a time when Notre Dame wouldn't play in bowl games. I mean, it took them a long time to agree to play in bowl games. They were Notre Dame; they didn't have to do that. That idea of them being different than everybody else is part of their identity, and it spills into academia too. I mean, it's a higher level school than a lot of other schools and uh i i that's a really big jump for them to make to give that up because if they go into the big 10 then they're just another big 10 school and ohio state is a bigger football brand than than they are because of their success and i'm not sure that jack swarbrick their athletic director who's nearing the end of his tenure wants to be in his legacy is he's the one that gave up Notre Dame's independent status. Let's remember two years ago, the ACC for the first time that I can remember had leverage on the big 10 because of COVID and let them come in and play for a year as an AC, as an ACC member and compete in the ACC championship game. Although they lost 
Then they lose to Clemson, but yes. they beat them during the regular season. Correct. And they got in the playoff. So, I mean, that was the time where somebody really had something over Notre Dame, and the ACC couldn't get them to leave the deal. So I'm going to vote. It's it's not going to happen this time. It, it, it's probably going to happen eventually, but I that's a that's so big to Notre Dame to like we are Notre Dame and you aren't uh, for them to to give that up. But it's a slippery slope because we're going to have two super conferences. It's going to be like the right. AFC and right. the right. NFC, right? right? So right. you don't want to be left out. And what's to stop the Big Ten from telling Michigan and USC and and anybody else, hey, you're not playing, don't play Notre Dame. That's it. Don't I, play I agree. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And then, then would Notre Dame go to the SEC, which that would be dumb uh, because agreed. I think they would really struggle in the SEC as a football team. And I know Marcus Freeman's having a great recruiting year right now, but we've seen I mean, Notre Dame's been beaten what by three or four touchdowns in every playoff game they played in. I mean, they have, they've been outclassed, um, and so and that wouldn't be good for their non-revenue sports. Um, I wouldn't think either, just because of the you lose the whole geographical, you know, part yeah. of the rivalries. Um, but I don't know. That's such the finances. I understand they're gonna, they're being pushed and pushed more in that direction than they ever had been before. But man, that that whole deal about we are Notre Dame, uh, that's that's hard for them to give up. Have you ever talked to a Notre Dame grad? Uh, yes, I know quite uh, quite a few. As a matter of fact, they are adamant. <laughs> what do they say? Adamant? No, we don't need a conference. We're fine. We're Notre Dame. You know, that's what they say. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I didn't go to Notre Dame. My uncle did, but um, I I know enough Notre Dame fans. It's like uh, they the academic part of it and the athletic part of it. They view themselves on sitting in a different perch than everybody else. And until reality slaps them and says, you know, you're not anymore, um, I, I don't see them doing it. What about Louisville here? Because if you're Josh Hurd and you don't have a president, you got an interim president right now, do you want to get ahead of things here and say, hey, let's try to get our name in the SEC mix here? Because if Florida State, Clemson, and Miami leave for the SEC, all of a sudden the ACC is a basketball conference. It, it kind of already is. But all of a sudden, it's really nothing but a basketball conference. Does Louisville need to get ahead of the of everybody else here and try to inch their way in ahead of Florida State and Clemson and Miami and say, "Hey, we're here. Let's go. We're ready to go." Uh, you know, probably, but I don't know if they can. I mean, I I I don't know if that's even possible because, um, for a variety of reasons, just that I, I I'm not school sure any school can just push their way in. Uh, by force of personality or political pressure or whatever, because uh, the drawback for Louisville and Eric wrote about it several weeks ago is, I mean, they're, they're in terms of what matters here is TV market and the TV market they bring here is Louisville. Although we're a top 50 market, I think 49th. I mean, the SEC already has a share of the Louisville TV market because of Kentucky, yeah. and the Big Ten has a smaller share of the Louisville TV market because of Indiana. So. I'm not really sure what credentials Louisville has to bring that would would make the sale, uh, you know, a, a sure thing. Would Kentucky want Louisville in the SEC? I wouldn't think so, uh, but I don't know that. I, I've never, I've never sensed that. My, you know, they've always been reluctant to to play Louisville. I mean, they had yep. to be forced into finally playing them in basketball. They had to be. Uh, worked over pretty hard to get him to play him in football, so I'm not sure how that benefits Louisville. 
Um, but I, I, I would, if you had to make me vote, I would say no. Well, I would say South Carolina wouldn't want Clemson in, and Florida wouldn't want Florida State in, and Georgia wouldn't want Georgia Tech in, right? I agree. I don't think Georgia Tech brings anything really to the SEC. They bring less than um, Kentucky brings, in my opinion, because having been around Atlanta, I mean, Georgia is the team of choice in Atlanta, and you've got all the pro teams, so Georgia Tech is kind of an afterthought there. I mean, you have... You've got in, in Atlanta. You've got fans of Auburn, Alabama, LSU, yeah. all the SEC school grads who live there. So I don't, I don't think Georgia Tech brings much at all. White Sox to Cleveland today uh, to finish out. I guess this is the last game of the series, or maybe they got one more tomorrow. But, no, it's uh, the last game. I guess you're happy there are three wild card teams this year, right? Because you got a shot. Uh, yeah, I think they actually have a better shot to win the division. Yeah, they do because the the Blue Jays and the Red Sox and the Rays are all. all all pretty good, and the yeah. Orioles are at five hundred. Rick, I know, and then they the Orioles are a game or two behind the Jays right now. It's crazy. They got a really good. I don't. We're probably going to bore everybody, but hardcore baseball fans. But that catcher they have, who was the number one draft pick, Adley Rushman, Rushman. a couple of years ago. Oh man, yeah, he's, he's good. Mancini yeah, and Santander and Cedric Mullins at the top. That's a good team. All of a sudden, they got some good dudes in the minor leagues too. They're probably going to. They're at a point, though, where they might trade a couple of those dudes. Yeah. Although they're a possible wild card team, I could see them trading a couple of those dudes and trying to make themselves better for next year. And, you know, I think it's good when Baltimore's – I mean, we remember when Ripken and Murray and those dudes oh, were there. Those yard was sold the out good old days. Night after night after night. It's a good baseball town. And I think baseball's better when places like Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and Baltimore or are good in baseball. How about the Reds last night? And didn't they come back? Four in the ninth. Four in the ninth, yeah. Yankees, in against, Yankee Stadium. Against the closer, Clay Holmes, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's, that's why I love that's baseball. That's the joy of baseball. The, 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 the lesson from that is, as great as the Yankees are, and they're great, once they get in October, one or two bad games, and somebody else can beat them. So. Yep. I agree 100%. Hey, thanks for your time, as always. It's a slow time of year, but uh, you make it go yeah, by it a little quicker. Thank you, buddy. All right. Thanks. Thanks, John. Rick Bozich, WDRB.com. That's where you can read all his stuff. You can see he and Eric Crawford a couple nights a week on the sports page during the Fox 41 News at 10 as well. So uh, go ahead and read his stuff and watch him on TV, and maybe I can keep getting him on the show. Good stuff from Rick as always. We'll come back, talk about KD and Kyrie. Might they stay in Brooklyn? Donovan Mitchell, where's he going to end up? All that and more. We'll check some early afternoon baseball scores as well. You're listening to Spears on Sports. Presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back to Spears on Sports. Presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage hotline still open. 384-1450. If you'd like to be part of the show, 384-1450. Or you can text me on the Thornton's text line. 502-414-1450. Summer Cash Bash underway at Thornton's each week. One lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer long. With a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Open your Refreshing Rewards app. Click on the Summer Cash Bash icon. You're entered. That's that simple. You can also earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, hot dogs, Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. That's Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. Not a refreshing rewards member. Text rewards to eight zero three one three. 
It's a Shady Rays kind of day out there. Tell you about Shady Rays, an independent American-owned company started in Kentucky, changing the way you wear sunglasses. Shady Rays sunglasses offer an industry-best combination of fit, style, and performance without the big brand price tag. Also, every pair is backed by the lost and broken replacements warranty. You lose them, you break them, doesn't matter. Shady Rays will replace them for free. Also, Shady Rays provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order. They've donated over 20 million meals to date. Look good in your shades. Feel good by making an impact. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair. Return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop at ShadyRays.com. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is offering 25% off. You can try them out, see what they're all about. Use the code BIGX at checkout for 25% off all adult shades. By the way, Phil Mickelson's pairing with Lucas Herbert and Kurt Kitayama, 7.30 a.m. in England, 2.30 a.m. Eastern Time, back here in the States, which means 11.30 p.m. tonight if you're on the West Coast. I could do more with that, but I would need a chart and an easel and a marker, or at least a pointer. So... The live guys not getting any love from the Royal and Ancient at St. Andrews as far as tea times and press conferences are concerned. Uh, Early afternoon baseball, Seattle and Washington, they were rained out last night in the nation's capital, so they'll play a day-night doubleheader today. Seattle leads the first game 3-0 over the Nationals, bottom of the third in D.C. Uh, The Mets just took a 1-0 lead over Atlanta in a get-out-of-town game Mets and Braves fighting for first place in the National League East. Uh, 1-0 Mets, top of the second. And it was uh, Eduardo Escobar home run for the Metropolitans. Uh, The Reds, who beat the Yankees in New York last night, finish up their two-game series with the uh, Bronx Bombers tonight, 7-0-5. Mike Miner goes for the Reds. He's 1-6 with a 663 ERA. Against Luis Severino or the Yankees, 5-3 with a 3-11 ERA, 7-0-5. Valley Sports, Ohio, I guess, if you want to watch that one. Uh, also, don't forget tomorrow's movie Thursday. I sent the text out this morning. Already got a bunch of great responses. I'll share them with you tomorrow. The um, category is best performance in a movie by an athlete or a coach. Now, they can play themselves or they can play a role. For example, um, Mike Tyson played himself in The Hangover, and I think The Hangover 2 as well. He was glorious. It was great. Um, But they can play a role, too. I brought this one up before. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as uh, pilot Roger Murdoch in the great 1980 film Airplane. Um, I'll never forget it. Even when my sometimers kicks in, I'll never forget that performance by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So you can play yourself. Or, or they can play a character. Coaches are, are a fair game as well. I've had a bunch of responses, but no coaches yet. There were a lot of coaches in the movie The Blind Side. Uh, there were a lot of college basketball coaches in the movie Blue Chips, if you saw that with uh, Nick Nolte. Um, you know, Rick Pitino's been in a few different films. Maybe somebody's happy about, maybe somebody's not happy about. But... Um, you know, there are there are a lot of coaches out there eligible here as well. But I haven't had any coaches, but I had a bunch of responses of a bunch of athletes. Michael Jordan in Space Jam is easy. LeBron James has been in a couple movies. Uh, Brett Favre in There's Something About Mary. When he's, and I, I don't know if 
Jim's going to bleep me on this when he says, they say, what are you doing in town? And he says, I'm here to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. I thought that's hilarious, right? I'll, I'll let that one go. All right. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, get your get your uh, text into the show with uh, your choices there. Best performance by an athlete or a coach in a movie. The uh, Thornton's text line, 414-1450. I've sent some, t- uh, some uh, texts out to some other people on my personal phone, and they've gotten back to me. So it's going to be fun tomorrow. It's going to be a fun list, and I'll do a little more research tonight. Anthony, if you haven't seen the movie Hustle, and I've, it just came out on Netflix less than a month ago, Adam Sandler film about a guy who's an NBA scout, wants to be an NBA coach. Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves, former Georgia Bulldog, played one year at Georgia, went to the NBA, is fantastic. And he's playing a fictional character, but uh, – He's basically the enemy of the star of the movie. Adam Sandler finds this player overseas who's fantastic. He brings him in for some workouts, and he has some, you know, some basically summer league games against teams. And Anthony Edwards is is just mean. He's just mean. Uh, he trash talking this guy the whole time while they're playing against each other, really getting under his skin and. And Anthony Edwards, if he was, if I didn't know he was an NBA player, I would think, who is this actor playing this basketball player? He's that good in that movie. He might be one of my top three. I'll reveal them tomorrow. But I like comedies. All right, I'm all about comedies. Um, and Adam Sandler movies, uh, The Water Boy, for example. You're going to find some coaches. You're going to find some players. Uh, I know. Uh, Ace Ventura, Dan Marino was in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. There's a t- there's more than you think out there. So we'll do that tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. All right, Baker Mayfield had his first press conference in Charlotte yesterday. And here's a shocker. He showed a ton of maturity answering questions. Now, the knock when he finally got traded from Cleveland last week, Cleveland, eh, they sort of took a parting shot. Well, he was immature. He didn't know how to handle things. He sure was mature at that press conference yesterday. Now, I have a feeling his agent and representatives got in his ear and said, hey, we want you to tell everybody how much you loved the Cleveland fans, the city of Cleveland, and he did it. And he did it in a good way. He thanked Cleveland. I learned a lot in Cleveland. It's a football town. It's a sports town. These people are passionate. I love the fans of Cleveland. He didn't say he loved the ownership of Cleveland. He didn't say he loved the fact that he had four coaches and four offense coordinators in four years, but he didn't mention it. He showed a lot of maturity yesterday, and this is going to be an open competition. This is going to be Sam Darnold versus Baker Mayfield. Now, I don't know. How, it, it, you don't trade for a guy and give up what they – I think they gave up a fifth-round draft choice. That's nothing. But you don't trade for a guy to pay him – for one year, if you're not going to give him a legitimate shot. So it feels to me like right now, Baker Mayfield, before they, and they go into camp a week from today in, uh, in Charlotte. I feel like this is Baker Mayfield's job 75%, Sam Darnold 25%. Sam Darnold's going to have to really outplay Baker Mayfield to be the starter in game one. Matt Corral, a third round draft choice, has no chance here. They didn't draft him to be the starting quarterback. They drafted him to potentially be the future quarterback of this franchise. If Baker doesn't work out, they had him for a year. They say, thank you. You're now a free agent. Be on your way. If he plays great, now you have to make a decision. If you're, if you're Carolina, do we invest $40 million a year in Baker Mayfield? Sam Darnold, to me, is the odd man out here. 
You brought him in from the Jets. You gave him a year. Look, your coach is on the hot seat. This is it for Matt Rule. The over-under on wins for Carolina didn't change with the addition of Baker Mayfield. It's still six. He doesn't have a great cast around him. Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy, really good running back. Catch the ball out of the the, uh, backfield. But they don't have any name receivers or any big-time defensive or offensive players other than Baker Mayfield and Christian McCaffrey. So they're over-under still six, right? If they go, Vegas expects them to go six and 11. And if they do, Matt Rule's not going to be the coach anymore, and Baker Mayfield's probably going to be a free agent quarterback. But what if he comes in and they go 10 and seven, and they just miss the playoffs, or they make the playoffs? Now if you're Carolina, you got to make a decision. A, Sam Darnold, see ya. We keep Matt Corral. He still may be the future, and you have to re-sign Baker Mayfield. And I still go back to week one, Cleveland at Carolina. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. I only The only wish I had was, was that that game would be in Cleveland. That would be better. Uh, the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, switching to the NBA, are now listening to offers for Donovan Mitchell. We should have seen this coming. Brian Windhorst at ESPN warned us. When Royce O'Neal got traded, a starter for the Jazz, for draft picks, Brian Windhorst threw his arms up and said, hey, this doesn't happen. All right? Dominoes are now going to fall. It was less than a week later, Rudy Gobert was traded to Minnesota for a haul of draft picks. H-A-U-L. A haul of draft picks. And the Jazz said, nope, we're not going to trade Donovan Mitchell. Guess what? Yes, they are. They are listening to offers for Donovan Mitchell. The Knicks seem to be, as they are for everybody, a possible destination. He's he's from the area. Danny Ainge, the uh, president of the Jazz, has done this before. Remember after the Celtics won the title with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen? He dismantled that team, and he got a whole bunch of draft picks. And with those draft picks, he's now got Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, um, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, and the Celtics were in the NBA Finals this year and are the favorites, co-favorites, to win it next year now that they've got Malcolm Brogdon. Danny Ainge has done this before. He knows how to do it. And he is going to find a way to get rid of Donovan Mitchell and get a bunch of draft picks and a bunch of capital here. Not surprised that this is happening. Shouldn't have been surprised once Gobert. A lot of people said Gobert's gone. Well, that makes Donovan Mitchell happy, right? Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. And when Quinn Snyder left as the coach, shockingly, before any of this happened, that's when we should have known. Danny Ainge, I feel, told Quinn Snyder, hey, we're going to rebuild you want to hang around for it. Quinn Snyder said, I don't want to be the coach of a rebuild. So it's it's going to be not a fun team in Utah to watch next year. And the question is, where does Donovan Mitchell land? Hope you have a great Wednesday. Get some sleep so you can get up at 1.30 a.m. and watch some golf. Thanks for listening. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X.